Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chouinard. I'm here with Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops. Glenn, at what point do I have to get a little bit nervous about the College Park Skyhawks? Never. Never? <laughs> Never. They're 0-6. Yeah, there they're you go. Yeah, but man, they're playing young. They're a young team. Uh, they, I mean, if you, I don't Isn't know if everybody uh, in the G League young, no, or am I making a mistake no, here? Oh, no, 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 no. So most teams, what they have going on is they have experienced centers, like guys who know how to set screens, organize a defense, and they have guys who are like 30 years old. I mean, like, like you'll see like the, the guy who jumps out at me, I saw, I think recently, I remember what I was watching to see it, like a Luke Cornett, like that type guys who, who are, just, just don't have the kind of the natural skills and athleticism to explain the league, but they know what they're doing 100% of the time on both ends of the court. The College Park Skyhawks are playing Jalen Johnson at center, a one-and-done, like, power wing, like power forward type at, at college, I, I think is mostly what he played there. Um, and they're trying to do something, like, I guess pretty innovative to get him whatever reps kind of come with kind of the five-out offense they're playing there. But you have no shot on defense. So, so long as the plan, developmental plan, is sound, they're fine. I mean, wins and losses really don't matter unless part of your philosophy is that you need positive reinforcement with young guys, and that can only come from win and losses. You know, you, it, you, me, and whoever else could debate whether that philosophy holds up or not. But they're not doing the things that most teams in D-League do that actually try to chase wins. And it that doesn't hurt Sharif. I mean, the philosophy is that if you're trying to develop a point guard, you want to pair him with the big man who's experienced and knows what to do. That's why when you go to Vegas Summer League, you'll see a million guys that have been playing in Europe at center position who know what they're doing. And then for teams that have invested a high draft pick, not Sharif Cooper, by the way, uh, and a point guard, they're going to pay – an extra, I don't know what, 50,000, 100,000, whatever it works out in summer league to bring a guy in who really knows how to work, even if it's just three or four games to give that, you know, lottery pick point guard or league guard a chance to kind of play with a, a big man who knows how to help him. Um, I think we saw in summer league that Sharif and Jalen have a good chemistry. He's probably working on offense, I would guess. Um, but on defense, you literally have no shot with what they're doing. Is that the wrong plan? I, I'm not up to speed enough on, on that to really have an opinion, but the out, the wins and losses to me should not be shocking. And if the development plan is what Travis wants him to do, Nate, and the rest of the people who would weigh into that, then I assume it's fine. Cause they're not going out to bring in this, you know, journeyman center to, 
to play defense instead of three. So that's my take. But you, you, I think you probably watched more than me. I think. So tell me. I haven't recently. I didn't. I don't think I've seen either of the uh, Capital Go Go games. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I saw so, a I mean, bunch does, of the Does, that, does my take seem reasonable to you, or does it, do you have? Yeah. A no, okay. it does. There are some. I I would have to. I I can't I can't say you're right. I I'd have to pour over some of these G League rosters to see if those you know. But yeah. for from the from the teams that I've seen, yeah, that that seems reasonable. But and even just look at the Ignite roster from I think Amir Johnson played with those young you know, guards and wings, and they went and got you know guys who have legitimate NBA experience in some cases to go do that. Not not as hard to do when that's set up in Southern California. Easier to go find those guys, <laughs> you know. That's a little bit of a different thing, but that's still kind of the plan. Either you're like the rock. If, if, if you're making fifty thousand dollars, Atlanta is a pretty good uh, pro basketball city to live in. Yeah, but if you already live in Southern California, yeah, that's fair. And you've already made what? Like Amir Johnson's probably made maybe ten million dollars in his career, something like that. Yeah, you know. So oh, yeah, so yeah, so it's you know that that's the thing is you want to be innovative and kind of try some stuff and i mean and if the idea that you and i've talked about is to get Jalen to be kind of a, a four who can really move the ball playing five out and actually playing through him as a five man is a great developmental plan for him individually not going to get you to get you by a defense <laughs> fair enough all right on to the pro team what are the uh pro team i guess they're all pro teams mm, the yeah. the parent <laughs> the parent club uh what what do the Hawks do in the absence of Bogdan Bogdanovich? How do you make up for his absence for a minimum of two weeks, but probably something more significant than that? Yeah, it's going to – I mean, I, I would be shocked if it's not three. It's the pace of the one because of the way, the way it's read. But, I mean, we'll hope for better. But, I mean, it starts with, I think, Cam Reddish being healthy. And I think the report we got – I don't know if it was yesterday or today. All the days are kind of running together in my head is that – uh, he's at least questionable for tomorrow's game, I think. Correct. Right yes, he's yeah. day-to-day and officially questionable for the Indiana game. Yeah, so he's... I hate that um, adjective, by the way. It's like, it's... I don't know. Yeah. Saying somebody's questionable just sounds personal. It, it does. Um, but, you know, um, I think I think anytime a Hawks player is questionable, that translates on game day to game time decision, right? <laughs> so... You know, oh, we won't sure. know. Yeah. But I, you know, what I, for me, if they have Cam, you're probably playing, um, you know, Herder more at um, the three and getting a little bit more of DeLon, right? Or a lot more of Lou Williams. I'm more supportive of more DeLon minutes. Um, but I think they're going to have to use DeLon's versatility to kind of make uh, the make it work positionally. If Cam's out, they're going to have to play solo. And, you know, I don't know if they want to play solo with Cam in right now or not. Probably depends on matchup. Um, but losing Bogdanovich, going to solo is uh, could cause, you know, some serious a serious neck injury in terms of this abrupt change in <laughs> shooting equity on the floor there. So that's where DeLon helps you a little bit more. I think Lou, when he's making shots, helps you a little bit more there. But I don't know really what else you do. Um we can make jokes about playing Gallo at the three, but uh, I don't think that's anything other than a joke. But yeah, I think I think Delon's minutes go up. You hope Cam's healthy. Solo plays if you really need defensive presence out, out there on the wing. 
and I'm not sure it's going to go awesomely, <laughs> but that's why you ride um, Trey Young. You know, he great players, and Trey is emerging as a, as a great player in the league. Helps you get through these stretches where things are not optimal from a, a player availability standpoint, from a lineup kind of a continuity standpoint. It sucks. It's hard. Uh, but if you don't have a guy at Trey's uh, level, um, then it's maybe close to impossible, but not impossible because Trey, Trey does enough good work to, I think, overcome and uh, cover some challenged areas like that. How do you see it playing out? Well, I, I kind of agree with all that, but I guess I'm, I'm what I'm most interested in is if if Cam is healthy, who starts? It seems like they've been hesitant to start Cam. It doesn't seem like they're you know whether it's you know an injury replacement to start the second half or somebody you need for a spot start in a game. It seems like they've constantly leaned on Solo, and right. it's like they don't want to mess with Cam's position. Uh, you know, do you think that they would just outright start Delon and you know maybe do some early substitution for him? get him back in as like a point guard later on or, or did, do you start solo or do you start cam? I just feel like it just in my gut, it just, I get this sense that, that they're hesitant to use cam. They want to develop some consistency of role for him, but maybe, maybe he does start. I don't know. What do you, I mean, it seemed, and, and I guess part of that is, um, you know, cam as you know, he's kind of gotten into the role where he's kind of, uh, you kind of the instant offense guy off the bench, you know, for some creation. And it seems like they've wanted to separate Trey and Cam. Obviously, Trey is starting. So I, I just feel like they might want somebody in more of an auxiliary role to, to be starting next to Trey. Yeah, I, I think the risk earlier in the year starting Cam was that he was stopping the ball too much. He was over dribbling. Um, he was trying too hard to create himself, irrespective of whether he had leverage on a defender or what the other team was doing collectively defensively and just not really kind of reading. He's um, you know, I don't know where Nate's level of confidence is with Cam right now in terms of if I start him, is he going to let Trey get us set up and get us organized on offense and kind of just blend in and let his opportunities kind of come naturally to him? Um, or is he going to do something that's going to really detract from Trey getting us going? You know, so for me, whether Cam starts or not is probably like pretty close to 100% correlated to Nate's level of confidence in Cam playing the right way, kind of doing the right things. It seemed to go better when he was on with Gallo and Lou and and or DeLon, Uh Um, you know, and so I'm with you around kind of if that has him on the right trajectory, maybe the right thing to do for Cam and the right way to get the most out of Cam is to kind of leave that uh, as it was. Um, it, which you can you can slide solo. Um, now, the way the way teams are, especially depending Trey of late, you want a lot of shooting on the floor because they're uh, allocating you know multiple defenders to him in some form, and you need him um, guys who can knock down shots to take advantage of that. Uh, I don't know what happened to Solo. Solo used to be at least like I don't know like a thirty four percent shooter. <laughs> now he's like what I mean. If he ever makes a shot, we're shot. We're all shot. Yeah, and, and even even more like, uh, what's the, I'm trying to think of the catchphrase, but like you know, it's 
for, forget the results. Just look at the process. You know, it, right. it just doesn't look like a good shot going up, what, irrespective of whether it goes in or not. Like it just, it, I don't have any confidence that it will start going in. Not just, you know, I just don't think that it's a very good looking shot at the moment. It doesn't doesn't seem consistent enough to to have uh, hope that it starts catching. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, and maybe if he's playing 20 minutes a game every game consistently some yeah. rhythm shows back up right you know right. but i agree with you yep. i mean it looks like a totally disjointed and kind of a total kind of a mechanical failure uh yeah. right now it just looks it looks strange um uh, but you know he's he doesn't possess the ball any longer than he needs to he moves it right he moves it the right he moves place the ball yep right and that's the thing that might be might make it worth getting him into the starting lineups just to make sure the ball is moving uh, yep. to get the game started and you can always do the thing where you only plays about four minutes and then yeah you kind of go to whatever else and stuff like that but uh, if i if you were like glenn you got to predict what's going to happen i'm going to guess first game or two it's solo and it's especially hard to kind of put a plan together if cam's going all the way up to game time whether he's even going to play or not um right. i think most coaches especially older coaches want to at least have the kind of the first part of their rotation settled you know a day in advance going in and the most reliable thing there might be start solo so if i had to break a prediction i think solo probably starts and i think that's okay um except that the best um nba teams are going to completely ignore him uh, and we should say it's, it's not the fact that other teams will the good teams will just ignore him the good teams will make use of <laughs> ignoring him <laughs> And allocating right. their defensive resources elsewhere where, say, a, sure. an average team or a lesser team might ignore them but still not use the extra defensive bandwidth they get from doing so. Yeah, I agree. I, I think solo starts tomorrow. In in my heart of hearts, that's, that's, that's what my gut's telling me, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, do, do I have to be worried about Danilo Gallinari at age 33? Was, is it just... You know, I'm just going back to that New York game. It was the second half of a back-to-back. Um, is it like a situational thing, like playing two days in a row is bad? Or I don't know. I just not not getting the greatest vibe. It seems like more so than last season, teams are going out of their way to try to test him on defense. Yeah, that, I mean, that's um, – I mean, New York was relentless uh, at that. And and then, I mean, Memphis wasn't really successful at that, but when he was on the court with Jaron Jackson Jr., they were trying every possible way to get Jackson matched up on the Gallo. Um, Memphis's overall offensive execution is pretty weird right now anyway, but the, the New York game, they were definitely going right at him. And I don't think that's going to stop, uh, but as I know you know, uh, team to team, it's going to be different, like the level to which they can actually execute and kind of make that sure. productive for them. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it, Indiana's challenging in, in that Sabonis and Turner are, you know, they're they're neither of them are like all NBA caliber players, but they're a unique challenge positionally. Um, there in terms of how you want to try to kind of cover that up and and how you want to try to keep Sabonis off the offensive class and. <laughs> things like that and stuff. So, you know, um, can't, does Indiana have anything to kind of go with that? I mean, Rick, we all know Rick Carlisle's offenses forever have been predicated on the pick and roll when one of the highest volume uh, pick and roll offenses around. And right. uh, Malcolm Brockham is awesome in the pick and roll. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's where you, as, as Nate, you think, do I want to try to limit the amount of 
minutes that Gallo's on when Brogdon's on. Don't want to try to adjust my rotation to where Gallo's on when Brogdon's off and TJ McConnell's running typically the, you know, the pick and roll, um, right. you know, things like that. So, it, you know, I, I'm not so worried about it until we get, I mean, uh, honestly, some of the biggest issues are on defense to show up for Gallo is when he just can't help rebounds at all. I mean, that that's to my, like, that's been the whole season. And right. that shows up whether the other team can expose him, you know, strategically uh, or not sometimes. So it just, you know, it just kind of depends. But question about his shooting and like, because if he's not making shots, he's not a super helpful player. <laughs> we can just say that, right? Um, but he's one of the greatest shooters at his position ever, you know. Um, but yeah, he played 11 and a half straight minutes in Memphis when they were up. 30 or more, which made no sense to me. I know that Trey. So this was the fourth quarter. He played like the, the starters the third played quarter. the third quarter. The starters played the third quarter, right? But John, John came out early. Oh, Gallo okay. went in the third quarter. Yeah. John, I think John played, I want to say eight minutes and then Gallo played four in the okay. third and then like seven, seven and change in the fourth before, gotcha. but it was all consecutive apart right. from the quarter break and the timeouts and things like that. Mm-hmm. But Still, like, why do you do that to Gallo the night before you play the Knicks? You know, yeah. um, what what's going on there? Why did why did if you look at the way Herder shot the ball, the way McDonough shot the ball before he went out? I mean, it looked like they just didn't have any legs. And I mean, New York, their defensive execution is awesome. I mean, despite right. some of their personnel talent, their defense is good, well organized, and they are as on point. But they were really working to keep Clinton John off the rim and the counter attack to that is you're going to get open three-point shots. Well, they got those open three-point shots. Trey created all of the three-point shots that were available with what yep. the Knicks were doing and they just didn't make literally any of them and, except for Trey. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why those guys played 12 straight minutes in the third quarter and then I don't know why Gallo played 11 and a half straight minutes going in, especially when they were up that much. Um, but everybody makes mistakes. I think that was a mistake on Nate's part. And, uh, you know, it's just one loss. And uh, um, hopefully hopefully it won't happen again. Faith <laughs> and get Gallo on his feet. Come on, you know. Yeah, yes. Bears watching, and if it keeps up, we'll have to play Gorgie less. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, mathematically, how does that work? How do you play him I, less? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Just, it just happens. There's a way. Yeah. Uh, what what else should we talk about? Um, I mean, the fans probably want to hear about should actually. Talk... I, I, go, ahead. I go ahead. I have a I have a topic. I I forgot. You, you go. You, you go, go ahead. Go do first. yours. No. All right. Just, well, do yeah, you, you want to take a some... crack at explaining why Jalen Johnson doesn't solve the absence of Bogdan Bogdan? Oh well, that's funny because I was just going to say the fans will probably want us to talk about whether Jalen Sharif should be up in the rotation right now. Mm. They are 0 and 6. We kind of started there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, Sh- Sharif, if the need was a point guard, probably has something to offer them. Um, you know, just because he does have you know, creation skills. And, you know, I, I don't know. They haven't really had that with the bench. Like, there's. Right. They just missed that. Like, you just, you, Trey goes off, and it's like, it's not just that it's not Trey, it's just that there's. There's no one. You just don't get that kind of skill of, hey, right. here's a point guard who's going to set somebody up. It just they don't have that. Sure. Now, I think if you just 
rolled Sharif out there, you'd you'd see that his decision making was a little slow for what everyone else was expecting. Um, and mm-hmm. the, because he does he as anyone would, he deserves for reps sure. before yeah. you have expectations. So you know, there you'd have to live with some time for him to kind of acclimate and stuff but he'd give you some yep. kind of natural stuff natural juice that you you know if i can summarize with that word that you were just explaining that they sometimes struggle with especially in lou during when lou is having one of the bad lou games yep that's what it would be probably most helpful um and especially since delon um seems uh, for whatever reason a little limited and kind of getting them into all of the stuff that they'd like to do on offense where uh-huh. uh you know cerise what for whatever reason tree can at least kind of get them in I would think it's kind of basic stuff, um, but that's not where their depth issue is right now. So that there's not really a role role there for him now. For Jalen, um, Jalen's not been playing the three. He didn't play the three in summer league. He did, he's not been playing the three down there. And what I would uh, describe is that I mean what I've and I've said this in the preseason. I said this in summer league. I said I'll say this now. Uh, in my assessment, Jalen Johnson is not ready to perform defensively even close to the standard Nate and the coaching staff has uh four guys that play the would play the position that would be true at the three or the four you know he I know he plays five at college park he's not anytime soon going to be a guy who's playing five um four team is built around like a capella type um but he's just I mean there's so much to the nuance of defending off the ball most of the time, sometimes being made a point of attack defender and being put into the action. Um, but it's I, I'm less worried about that than I am him being kind of the low man on the weak side baseline and knowing the timing of when to tag. Is he tagging? Are we tagging? Are we tagging? Are we tagging? Are we tagging? You know, I can go on and on and on, but all the different things that just the guy on the baseline weak side has to do and kind of know and be on time with, there's no way he's ready to kind of perform uh, at that level in that breaks everything you're trying to do with uh, with a defense that's based upon what clint does so it's it's just a non-starter um i mean could he help you offensively he's probably i mean if you if you played him instead of solos minutes across the time but gone up just going to be out like literally how many more three-point shots is he going to make i mean he's not going to be on the ball much he's going to be um kind of in a role where he's not creating and initiating like he is with with college park um and it's way harder to develop a rhythm how much more is the ball going to stick we talked a few minutes ago about how solo at least moves the ball like boom you know and those sorts of things so it's just you know there would be some clunkiness on offense even though he could uh do some stuff that might be able to help like in transition he'd be really helpful you know if you could kind of get him into that phase of the game and stuff but the main thing is defensively there's just no chance he's ready to execute all the subtleties, all the nuance, all the on-time stuff, all the assignment stuff. There's just no way he's ready. And and on that end, Sharif's more ready too because he's just going to be defending on ball way more, which is a lot less nuance uh, and a lot less um, about being a good help defender um, and, and things like that. You know, you throw a guy on the ball and it's you kind of eliminate, um, you know, a lot of the kind of the – things that come with being a good team defender. And there's dozens of guys across the league every year. You can point it and say, that guy's like a good defender, but he's on the ball, but he's off the ball. He's useless, you know, and it tends to be younger guys. But, um, you know, I think Sharif's more ready to help on defense too. 
that's my that's my take. Yeah, that seems fair. I'm not going to dispute any of that. That all sounds reasonable. In fact, you know who who might be helpful. Who kind of is Bogdanish? If if I can make an adjective out of that, is is Skylar Mays? Absolutely, the forgotten guy. The forgotten guy. It's easy to forget him. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think that he's maybe a little frustrated with his role. I, I mean, I'm sure. And, and his contracts. He clearly wanted and more. his contract. Yeah, I mean, he kind of probably thinks, man, you know, I'm ready to be an NBA player. I, you know, he's probably looking for more opportunity than what he's what he's getting right now. And He's 37. Maybe this so is he, it. He's Wait, what? Emergency. No. <laughs> we always joke about his age, but he needs to make somebody right now, you know. Oh, 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 oh. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this might be it. Like, I don't know. I'm intrigued. Like, it, it would for me if they said, you know, Skyler's starting tomorrow. Like, that would, like, my my jaw's not going to hit the floor if I hit that. Like, I, I still think it's going to be solo and Herder, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued. Like, I, I think there's a world where he's in the rotation soon just because you're, you try to match role a little bit and, and you want somebody with a little bit of creation and a little bit more shooting. And obviously Herder gives you that, but I don't know. Like I, I'm not shocked if, if, if Skyler Mays is in the rotation uh, tomorrow, yeah. I think he, he kind of fits what they might need, you know, whether it's with the starters or the bench, they kind of just need a little more juice on offense. If, if Bogdanovich isn't around. Yeah. And like, but he, Skyler's a tough spot. I think we should talk about that just so expectations, like, list, you know, listeners can kind of understand. Like, last year, I would imagine at practice, he was kind of running the second unit. Like, Rondo didn't want to practice. You know, I mean, um, you know, he, Rondo, you know, didn't always But there weren't play. that many practices. Like, like now they're not going to practice. Every day that we go yeah. in there to Tybal yeah, practice, we just yeah. shot around today. Like, at the beginning of the season, like in September or October, yeah. I guess they didn't start in September, they, November or whatever. For sure. Like, in November, he was probably getting a ton of reps, and, and that probably helped him. But once they got into the season, I don't think. I don't think there were reps like that to be had by anybody. I don't think they did a whole lot of practicing. Right, but even in non five hundred five, there's still your the the coach you're working with, your personal the coach the coach kind of work assigned to work person with you. They're helping you prepare for a role, and he was more in that point guard mix and more in that initiating mix. And like whenever there was garbage time and they threw, you know, kind of that um, you know, garbage time lineup out, it was basically him starting and initiating everything and there's just with Lou and Delon on the bench with this team there's just really not that space and they and also the team grew to like what Kevin can do um kind of in that role helping with some of that stuff too and so I I, I think one of the reasons that Skyler not only wanted a better contract but probably wanted to be somewhere else was just that he saw the writing on the wall in terms of how little opportunity he was going to kind of get to be a combo like guard, you know, with some on ball and some initiation and things like that. I think he has equity off the ball too, but I think his greatest value in terms of him finding an ultimate place in the league where he gets a real chance is a guy who can play the one and the two and help you in both cases and be kind of your fifth guard uh, and step into, you know, wherever, uh, whatever spot you might need for a game for injury, foul trouble, whatever, you know, kind of the situations are. He probably thinks of himself as, a guy who could, I don't want to see the say be what Fred Van Vliet is right now, 
but get the kind of opportunity Fred Van Bleet had his first like one to two seasons in the league where he's playing both the one and the two. And there's other other guys, you know, kind of around the league that are a, bit, a little bit like that too. But that's probably how he thinks of himself. But I, I agree, like if he's if he's playing with Lou or Trey for that matter, he's helping move the ball. He can he can make shots, no doubt about that. And on defense, he's a pretty strong guy in the way that kind of Fred Van Vliet is. Like, I, I could see him on tomorrow night, Wednesday night, you know, defending T.J. McConnell, and I wouldn't be, like, super worried about that. You know, he's strong enough. To, uh, McConnell's a bully with the ball. <laughs> you know, he bullies right. his way kind of down to his spots, and, you know, Skyler's not going to put up with that, you know, to a degree, you know. So, I, you know, I do see some space for Skyler to help out. I think what, what makes me be a little cautious about how effective it would be was – what is what has he been preparing to do? Like, it's it's just such a strange kind of pecking order situation for him, in terms of what he's what he's ready to do. But uh, I I think your point is excellent that he could fill some void uh, right now with what skill he has. Let's just see, you know, how much preparation he's been able to kind of put towards a specific role. And he, and maybe you know he's fortunate, uh, and the team's fortunate. They've had a little, you know, their best. I think this is their longest break they've had between games here uh of the season and maybe he's had even a couple of days just to kind of ramp up um into uh that kind of role but i'd be thrilled to see it i just would knock on wood and hope that he's had some opportunity to prepare to, to execute I, I hate for fans to watch him for his first five minutes on the court and go oh my god he sucks now you know <laughs> yeah i mean it might take a couple of games for sure i I feel like the kind of work that he's been getting has been more cardio than actual preparation right. for what he needs if they need him yeah yeah, I always go back to, um, and I don't know if you ever saw this, but when Shelvin Mack was on the team, he was one of my favorite guys to watch uh, just because of, like, and it's, and that's kind of what Skyler could do. Like, a, that would be a good outcome for Skyler is to get three or four years in the league where he's, you know, kind of, you know, a trusted backup guard, combo guard, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, before every game in the butt era, like, you would see, like, Skyler running, like, sprinting, uh, probably Wait, 80% Skyler sprint or, or Shelvin. Oh, sorry, Shelvin. Sorry, thank you. Shelvin, like sideline to sideline for like 30 straight minutes. And Charles Lee would down there doing like running with him. Dude, you could tell that's when Charles was like, I'm going to get my cardio in right now, too. You know, but if you got in early enough, that's what you would see. Like, Sky was Shelvin really kind of putting all in, in all that cardio. And Shel- to his credit, Shelvin was always ready to go when they turned to him and kind of called on him. Um, that's kind of what I think Skyler might be able to be, but. It took till Shelvin's third or fourth year in the league before he really kind of got to a point where mentally he was ready to be ready to go without having to as many kind of preparation reps as you might prefer. All right, it's not, it's not a bad template for Skyler, right, Shel- Shelvin? It works for me. Yeah, it, it's oh, never mind. God, ah. <laughs> I, I, I know I know something about the Hawks that I'm not allowed to share. And that was like, okay. I was about to say something that was going to segue to it. And now I, I, I'm not even going to go there. Shelvin Mack, former Shelvin Hawks Mack. point. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, also, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Hawks moments was when they traded for Sheldon Mack and everybody got excited that Shelvin was coming back. <laughs> and as soon as I saw the trade, this was down the day the trade deadline, I went into the piece for huge slack and said, Oh God, everyone's gonna think this is Shelvin coming back. And sure enough, Twitter went crazy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh yeah, that's one of the funnier, funnier moments. But um challenges being short on the wing for sure, especially if for whatever reason Cam can't play. 
this is why you want a guy like Trey Young because he can help you get wins even when you're not uh, 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 you don't have all the guys you'd like to have available at other positions. So um, this is part of Trey's value proposition. So they're going to get some wins here in this next stretch. I'm, I'm confident in that. They're still playing really well offensively. Uh, there may be nights like against the Knicks where they just don't have all the shot makers they would need to win a given game, you know, here and there. I still think they're playing great on defense. I still think Trey has them at a very high level on offense. And even though this is suboptimal, I think they're still going to be getting mostly wins, more wins than losses. I'll say that. Uh, and they're going to be fine, but it's going to be uh, because uh, they have Clint on defense to kind of keep them steady, mm-hmm. stable on that end. They have Trey on offense right. to keep the motor running. So I still think they're going to be in pretty good shape. I agree. I guess there's not much more to say here. I, I just want to say that I don't like the Pacers. Like, you see the Pacers game coming up on the schedule, and it's like, ugh, it's the Pacers. Like, it's just – they just need to break that team up already. Just start over, do something different. I don't – I don't I don't know. It's just not interesting. Like, if the Sixers come to town, it's interesting. If the Blazers come to town, it's interesting. The Suns, the Rockets, you know, the Rockets, they're bad, but at least there's some stuff. I want to see what it looks like. How does it pan out? Right. I don't want to see the Pacers anymore. I just, I know that team. They're just, I mean, I guess it's going to look different with Rick Carlisle. So hopefully maybe that makes it. I just, yeah, I'll say I'm this. Done with that. I'll say this. Know. If for some reason you play fantasy basketball, get Malcolm Brogdon on your team because Rick Carlisle was increasingly putting more and more of the pick and roll share to him, and he is awesome in the pick and roll. And the I like Malcolm pick- Brogdon. Maybe maybe that combo will will make make the Pacers interesting for me. Yeah, Carlisle, the, 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 the other annoying thing about the other annoying thing about the Pacers is that people like are there are a group of people who are so fanatical about Miles Turner, and it's like Miles Turner is a nice shot blocker. And he's obviously a nice three point shooter for the position. But there are so many other things that Miles Turner is pretty bad at. You know. Right. And so it's just like, I Miles Turner seems like such a likable guy, easy to root for. He's not the one creating all that noise. But there are people who like, oh, he's like a 38% three-point shooter and he's top six or seven in the league and like block percentage or block rate or whatever you want to go with. And it's like, there's a whole lot more playing center in the league than blocking shots at the rim and making three three-pointers a game or whatever he's making. And Probably there's rebounding, there's physical presence on the interior, there's on and on and on yep. and on and on. Yep. And, and all that stuff is what Sabonis is good at. So I'm like, I would yeah, rather have Sabonis, Sabonis on my team. bad at the other stuff. He is, but that's typically, you can find those skill sets at your four, three, and two, <laughs> you know? Yes. You know, uh, so. Yeah, no, he bores me too. Like, he's a good passer. I give him credit for that. And that's interesting that. I just don't need to watch this team anymore. I don't think I, I, yeah, I don't like, get excited about the Pacers. I yeah. just don't. Maybe, maybe I'll have a change of heart sometime soon. But yeah, like Brockton, like just I always think Justin Holloway, how he's fun to watch. He's you know he's really good in the nuanced areas and always doing little things to help. But I love Miles Turner as a like person to root for. I'm sick of hearing about how good he is when people don't acknowledge like his flaws and Sabonis is a brute you know that's not always fun to watch it, it oh, makes it not. makes the officiating weird in every game mm-hmm. um they have Duarte you know who um got himself kicked know, out yeah. of last game you know uh, which was kind of weird for a rookie he could make them more interesting yeah 
for sure. So, I can buy yeah. that. but he, I mean, he's like, you know, when I've got the league pass and I call up the channel guide and it's like, oh, what are the games? Are? I'm just going through the paces, unless they're playing somebody great that I want to see. I'm not not looking for a yeah. game. Yeah, and then and then like there was like Gogamania when he was drafted, and I was like, he's not like that, you know, he's not a lottery guy, or you know, and you know, sure enough, you know, half the time he plays, half the time he doesn't play, and that and that people can say, well, that's because they have the bonus of Turner, but yeah, it's just you know, it was funny, the him the thing little blow up he had with Greg Foster last year was kind of funny. <laughs> That was the most interesting thing that's involved the Pacers in, in like five years. years. In years, <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy that. That was that was that was yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, we need but, more of that coach-player drama on the, you know, on with one of them on the court. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't just AI in a, in a press conference talking about no. practice. This was a guy on the court telling a coach as he's to going up sit, and down the court. Sit just the freak down, his coach. Yeah, sit the freak down. <laughs> We need more of that. And Greg Foster, no less. It wasn't like some, you know, shy, like, bashful assistant coach. No. That, I mean, Greg Foster's having none of that. Nope. So that's what made what's part of what made it so good is it was Greg Foster. Yeah, for sure. So, there you go. I made him interesting for a second. Thank you. I, I did appreciate <laughs> that moment. Let's, let's right. see if uh, let's see if that, any fireworks happen tomorrow night. Uh, either that in the form of Goga doing something like that, or Duarte getting himself ejected again, or something like that. But uh, Goga gets mad at Lloyd Pierce. Yeah, that would be that would be make some that would be <laughs> some fodder for Hawks fans, no doubt about that. No, yeah. We we should stop this conversation now because people are gonna get mad if we don't uh, turn it into something else. <laughs> wow! All right, fair enough. All right, Have Kevin. Good night, Glenn. Yeah, look forward to watching the game tomorrow night uh, virtually. Sounds good. Take, Take care. care.